This episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast is brought to you by Layer. Layer is redefining the way businesses purchase and manage their commercial liability insurance by giving control of the process back to the business owner. More on that later. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is John Jantz. My guest today is Andrew Davis. He's a best-selling author and keynote speaker, built and sold a digital marketing agency back in the day, produced for NBC and worked for the Muppets. But today he's teaching business leaders how to grow their businesses, transform their cities, and leave their legacy. So, Andrew, thanks for joining me today. Hey, thanks for having me on, John. I appreciate it. So, burning question to start with. Favorite Muppet? Oh, without a doubt, is it's Grover. Grover. I, I, oh, I was. A, I'm a huge Grover fan. Yeah, I can. You want to hear my my Grover? This is great for a podcast. You want to hear my Grover imitation? Yes, I do. Here, here we go. Near, far, near, far. <laughs> That's it. That's that is awesome. I have to tell you that mine is Oscar. Oh yeah, great character. And I'm, I'm a bubbly, friendly guy, but uh, I'm not a grouch myself. But there's something about his sort of passive aggressiveness that I admire. <laughs> that really just appeals to you. What's odd, the, the nicest, kindest people are the ones who tell me that Oscar the Grouch is their favorite character. <laughs> not surprising. It's sort of and it's always, it's, it's, thing. Yeah, it is. And all the, always the most dishonest people say Big Bird is their favorite uh, character. So I can learn, I can tell a lot about someone yeah. by their favorite Muppet character. So it's a good, yeah. it's a good kickoff question. That's funny. So you are producing or have produced for quite some time a, what I'm going to call a video show called uh, Loyalty Loop, which I absolutely love. Oh man. Well, I, to be totally honest, I have a really great editor that I've been working with the, the last two years. His name's Sean Cleary. And we partnered up, we met at an event at an in-person an event a few years yeah. ago in Louisville, Kentucky, and he's he's been uh, really instrumental in helping me kind of find my style and work together to to, to make something that works. So yeah, it's a, it is a lot of work, but I, I, to be honest, I really enjoy it. So you have, in particular, you, you've been doing these. How many how many shows do you think you've done? Oh my lord, about two hundred. Two hundred. Okay. Yeah. Um, could you do them about every three days or so, something like that? I do one, one a week, every Thursday. Oh, I, I do a new okay. one. Yeah. Yeah. It feels um, like every three days. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I'm, I'm sure that once you hit publish, you're like on it producing something else. But exactly. virtual events, which obviously we've many, many people have realized is the uh, norm of the day. You've done a four-part series specifically on that. So I really do want to uh, jump into to that idea a little bit. You and I were talking before we got started uh, uh, recording here that I, I did my first virtual event in the the 90s meaning last century and we called them teleseminars can you can you imagine that literally people got on a phone and it was probably not no in fact it wasn't a mobile phone it was like a quarter yep. and they sat there for 45 minutes and i talked into the air for 45 minutes i took a lot of skill to actually breathe through <laughs> through that but now pretty much everybody on the planet has done something virtually in the last 12 months yeah. Now, I, I know you as a professional speaker have been forced or invited, there we go, invited to, <laughs> to pivot to, uh, to virtual events. So I wonder if you could kind of talk about some, maybe start with some of the, the learnings uh, that, that, 
that you've come away with, everybody's gotten a quick education. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think I think the big key things that I've learned in the last year doing virtual events is that I think the biggest mistake we're making is trying to make virtual events emulate a an in-person event, and it's just right. not the same. And so the the events that I have attended where they have left the the idea of a, of an in-person event by the wayside and said let's completely reinvent the idea of attending an online seminar or or they've they've really hit the nail on the head. For example, like online events are not good for social networking. They're just not. And and ironically, there are a whole bunch of apps that have sprung up in the last 20 years that are unbelievably good at social networking, like Twitter and Instagram and, and Facebook and LinkedIn. And so forcing people to social network in the way that we would mingle at an event in a virtual world just doesn't work. And so We've, we've got to really kind of take a big step back and look at how we can get much better at rethinking the virtual event and getting away from the idea that it, it should be just like an in-person event. Well, I think that as simple as that idea sounds, I think it's a big aha for a lot of people because everybody is just trying to scramble to like, well, here's what an event looks like, And I think. And so I think a lot of times the mistakes are just made because don't know any better, but, but, but you're really saying it's almost a whole different yeah. point of view about what the objective is almost. Yeah. Yeah. What should a great online experience be if you're going to learn or teach something, right? Like, yeah. and, and the problem is even from the very beginning, like you were talking about with telepresence, right? Like these, these, the, the idea that you would lecture for an hour into a phone now seems silly. Right. But 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 all even the technology people that have come up and said, let's make an online platform where you can share a presentation. It's been like Microsoft. So all of a sudden you're, it's big slides and small people, whereas you're in a in a in a video driven world, we should have big people, small slides. And so when you when you reshape your perception of what you can do in the virtual world, and the kind of experience you could provide, I think it does start to shape what speakers should do. It starts to shape what the audience should expect, what the sponsors should want, and even, even what the event organizer should expect out of a great event. Yeah, and what's interesting is uh, there, are, there, there are actually very few great live in-person events, if you ask me. Yeah, yeah sure. That's <laughs> and, absolutely true. And so then when people just tried to copy those, <laughs> I think it just got worse, right? Exactly. And, and so in some ways, you, I think what you're suggesting is a rethinking of how information is presented, what entertainment is, what yeah. an event is, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. I, look, I think, I think this for a lot of people has been a wake-up call, just asking themselves, what is the event for, right? Like even people that were doing great in-person events in the past, and maybe they considered them successful, all of a sudden they found themselves doing online events that maybe are just as successful. And they're saying, wait a second, why did we do the offline event if we could have done this online the whole time? And sometimes yeah. I think it's happening vice versa. So it, it is It is about really finding new ways and ideas. I talked to someone the other day who's thinking about teaching with like marketing makeovers. They're, they're, they, yeah. they basically are, are thinking, let's do a virtual event where we are making over people's businesses live in a video format over the course of a day. And I don't know if that'll work, but I can tell you it's a much more interesting event idea than I've heard from a lot of other people, which is just a bunch of speakers sandwiched together with their PowerPoint slides yelling at people. Yeah. So. Yeah. And I think I, I one of the point you made in your video that I that I really wanted to stress is that in, in a when you're on a stage and there's 100 people there, you're talking to 100 people. But 
when it's a connection <laughs> online, it's one-to-one, -one, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Look, this is an intimate experience. And that's the biggest difference between the offline events and the online events. Like it's one to many when you're in a ballroom of a thousand people and you're a small speaker up on stage and there's a thousand of you watching the slides big and the small speaker. But if you invert that 100 percent, it's 180 degrees different. It's now just me and you, John, on the other yeah. end of the screen. And even though there are a thousand or 10,000 people attending yeah. the online yeah. event, it really is just us talking to each other. And maybe there's a chat going on so that yeah. you have this shared connected experience. But I don't think you need much more, to be honest, yeah. it, than an online chat, a great intimate experience to create a great online event today. Yeah. Drew, I'd like to have a conversation with you. Let me pull up my PowerPoint. Yes. <laughs> That's the worst way to start a personal conversation, isn't it? <laughs> it, it really is. But I think I think that that I think in a lot of ways it's ditched the slides altogether, isn't it? Maybe it's ditched the slides altogether. Look, if you start thinking like a television producer or a television executive, you're going to be much more successful. And I, I one of the things I I started realizing really early when when everybody was forced to constrain themselves to a camera and to their homes was I started I was watching the Food Network on a Sunday and the pioneer woman was was shooting her show with her kids. So she yeah. had no crew, right? Yeah. Usually it's 50 people in her house shooting the Pioneer Woman Food Network specials. And instead, her kids were home from college. One kid had an iPhone, one had a DSLR, and they were part of the production. All of a sudden, these two worlds collided. The production paradox is that television shows are looking more like Zoom calls, and Zoom calls are looking more like television shows. And so we're going to meet somewhere in them. And I think that's where the, the kind of fun and, and great experiences are coming from. I was listening to an NPR segment on Lucy and Desi Arnaz, and I, I, I had no idea of the, the influence they had on, on the industry. Not just a successful show, but they were the first show to say, no, we're going to have three cameras and yeah. we're going to yeah. record this stuff and we're going to syndicate it. And it's, I, I had no idea. But, I, but I, I'm starting to see some virtual people just as you said, with the the three camera shoots and all the the live stage and it, it and and part of that's happened because a couple thousand bucks you can have a TV studio now. That's right. <laughs> it's so true. I think like I think I think there are television networks and producers around the country going, why were we spending a hundred thousand dollars a day on the set when now the, the pioneer woman's roped in her kids and we're doing it for a tenth of that, yeah. <laughs> you know, and I think vice versa. We, we are capable, almost all of us are capable of putting together a great looking Zoom meeting. And it doesn't matter what kind of business person you are. Today's Zoom presence, the way you look on camera when you attend an online meeting of any kind is is the new handshake. Like you, you, you have to have the firm handshake, look them in the eye, like be professional, wear a tie, like whatever the rules were are now like get a ring light, make sure the audio is good. Like yeah. look into the camera, always remember you're being looked at. And so, yeah, a lot of the lessons I've learned came from television, really. Like the intimate thing isn't something I really thought of. It was something I was taught in, when I went to school for television and film and we watched the Nixon-Kennedy debate. So mm. like it's the most perfect example of someone like Kennedy understanding the medium and making sure he's looking into the camera and that people are at home watching him and be talking to the camera. Whereas Nixon had no training on television. He'd done lots of radio debates and he didn't look at the camera and he sweated his way through it. He didn't even wear makeup. And, and the most amazing thing about that, that experience 
in, in our culture is that if you ask the people that, that listened to the debate on radio, they all thought Nixon won. But if you ask the people who watched the television broadcast who won, they said Kennedy won. Yeah. And it's the proof that if you understand the medium, you deliver it in a way where, where it's clear you're, you're, the medium is for this message, you can be much more successful. And video today is such an intimate medium. We, we need to value that and use it to our advantage. And now a word from our sponsor. Layer is making high quality commercial insurance easily accessible and affordable for more than 25 million small businesses throughout America. It's a startup that is building better insurance for emerging U.S. businesses by using artificial intelligence and machine learning to recommend and match companies with the insurance policies and coverage they need and accurately predict carrier pricing. Hassle-free business insurance, 100% online. You can pay monthly with a credit card. Check it out at withlayer.com. That's with L-A-Y-R.com. So I started using Zoom at least five or six years ago, and a lot of people were introduced to it in the last 12 months. And one of the things I, I noticed is that how... You know, Zoom was pretty good technology, but how much they innovated in about oh, a six-day window, because, partly because they, they had to. But you mentioned on one of your videos that that you think there was, there's, I'm not sure if you're using cold hard statistics here, but something like 10 years of adoption in the last, you know, three months or something on, on some of these technologies. Yeah. One of which has been promised to us for a long time <laughs> being the savior, and that is virtual reality. Does virtual reality play. Are we still in the are we still in the state where it's you've got a fax machine but nobody else does and so it doesn't yes. <laughs> so that's, that's a great analogy. Yeah, look, yeah, by the way, that's that 10 years of consumer adoption in 3 months is that was according to the Wall Street Journal. Just so Okay. okay good. I don't know where they got the stat, but that's I quoted them. Yeah, they the Look, I think you're right. I, I got virtu I got into virtual reality during the pandemic yeah. because I needed a way to exercise and my brother-in-law said it would be great. And I am a convert and it is the most visceral experience. So when I, when, when I talk to people who say virtual reality is never going to work for online events, it's because I think they're thinking of online events and in-person events as the same thing. And when you can, when you say to me, Hey, Andrew, would you like to put on some goggles and go to a virtual conference center where it's just looks like a conference center and you're walking around talking to the same? No, I do not want to do that. And I don't think that'll ever work. But when I experience, when imagine this, John, if you in any of your presentations could literally transport your entire audience to anywhere in the world, it could be Bali. It could be the business you're talking about in a case study and they could be in the bar boardroom with you experiencing what you experience. I want to do that. And that's what VR is capable of. Now, just like you said, it is like the fax machine. <laughs> it, uh, you, you have one, but you can't send, send it to anyone or can't receive one because no one's got one. That, that's, the, that's where we are with virtual reality. I know it's been promised for years, yeah. but I do believe that the, this kind of escalation in technology adoption from people like me who never would have bought a virtual reality headset have accelerated adoption. And I don't think we're that far away from a reinvented virtual event that so, is VR. So have you studied it enough to say, here's the headset or here's the device you should get? I've studied it enough to know that you should not spend too much money on it because it's still in its infancy. And I, I just like a fax machine, you don't want to buy something that people aren't able to connect to. So right. try to find, it's one of the best social purchases you can make. Ask your Facebook friends yeah. what headsets they're using 
because you want to experience it with other people. Like I play ping pong with my brother-in-law in in virtual reality, and I don't even like ping pong, but it's the it's the greatest way to connect. We've just avatars, and we can talk and chat, but play ping pong. We can both drink a beer. It's just fantastic. So you make sure you can make it a social experience by asking who else is using what. I'm using an Oculus Quest, the first version, yeah. and I I'm, I'm, I love it. Four or five times a week, I use it for an Your hour. Your garage is an absolute mess, by the way. Yes, it is. Yes, yeah. <laughs> if you want to see how messy it is, check it out on YouTube. <laughs> All right, so let's go back to where we are today. Yeah. How do we get more engagement on Zoom? It depends what you mean by engagement. Like, I think one of the problems of marketers in general, John, you and I have probably propagated is that engagement has come to mean likes and clicks and comments. And so if you're, if that's what you mean by engagement, that's what people are trying. They're like, let's do polls and let's do, let's have a scavenger hunt while you're doing your speech. I was doing a session virtually recently and everybody in one part of my session, we're in my living room and you could see that I have these pink pineapples. Well, someone got really excited about the pink pineapples and next thing they're posting links and discount codes on where to get the pink pineapples in chat, right? Because we're all encouraging the wrong kind of engagement. For me, engagement means to, to capture and earn someone's attention and interest. And for me, that means creating content that inspires them to chase an answer constantly. And if you're doing an hour-long presentation where you're not earning their attention constantly, like every three minutes, you're introducing something that wants that that invites them to chase the next answer and ke- keeps them engaged in the truest sense of the form, the, the the word. I think you're you're not creating anything engaging. But dump the gimmicks is my advice. You don't need polls and chat, and you don't need questions and it's just, it's just gets in the way and it's, it's really a distraction. So in one of your, I want to say maybe it was a fourth in the, in the series, you, you kind of, you laid out a couple tricks that the cable folks use yeah. and that are pretty well-worn, pretty, you can just, once what they are, you you start going, oh, that's what they're doing. So like the, the, the one that, the one that I almost hate, but it's so, because partly because it's so effective is the idea that a show ends and you go, oh, the credits are rolling. You go, that was nice. And like, crap. Another show's yeah. on. <laughs> yes, hot switching. That's called hot switching. Yeah, absolutely. So hot switching is such a great technique. Like, why, John, why do online events have breaks, right? <laughs> like, we don't need a break like in, in like we do in the real world because we're a captivated audience, right? In, in, yeah. It's stuck in a box. And if you want to go to the bathroom, you have to wait till the session's over so you don't interrupt all the people you have to walk by. But in a virtual event, we do not need breaks. So hot switching between every segment in your and, and session in your online event will make it feel like it's continuously engaging because yeah. they're, they're constantly saying, what's next? Well, John Jens is up next. Like you can't miss him. We're going right into John Jance. Let me introduce John Jance. What you want them to feel is, oh my gosh, I wish I could go to the bathroom right now, but I got to see John Jance and I can't, I, I got to see him begin that session. And they, they only need to run away for two seconds, go to the bathroom and they've desperately got to get back. But when you say, I've watched it happen on events I've been on, they say, hey, we're going to take a 15 minute break. We'll see you back here at 1215. They, they lose half of their attendees yeah. in a 15 minute break. And yeah. we just can't do that. So hot switching is exactly what you're talking about. Friends, the only reason Friends was successful is because they hot switched from mad about you to friends. And even last night, I was watching the Super Bowl. Oh, am I not supposed to talk about when we're recording? It, it's quite all right. Whenever people are it's, listening to this, my Kansas City Chiefs uh, did not show up. <laughs> <in the Super Bowl. laughs> 
It's a, this is evergreen content, let me just tell you. I, recently, I was watching the Super Bowl, and they hot switched from the Super Bowl right into the Queen Latifah's new show uh, yeah. on CBS. That's a perfect example of CBS. Which, of, of which they had promoted about 374 times. Exactly. That's yes, right. That's right. They were raising anticipation for it. Exactly. This is so, the, the, yeah, we've got to re- rethink virtual events. And, and I think the pandemic was a great way to kind of shake things loose and get us rethinking them. So how have you changed, like taking a presentation that's like your killer presentation, Loyalty Loop, for example, yeah. how have you altered it or have you for a virtual audience? Oh, yeah, I completely retooled it. Like when this when this happened uh, and I thought, wait a second, I can't just do an onstage presence. I turned it into a 45-minute television show that, that people call like the Alton Brown meets marketing show. Some people think it looks like Bill Bill Nye, the science guy. So it's a combination of like in-studio live segments. And then we actually take them into the real world and we do stuff. So it's, we go around the house and smash some watermelons and we buy a car together. And it's, it's because that's what we need to keep people engaged. It has to be more than just me, you know, talking to them, even with cool graphics. I just felt like it isn't enough if, if people's expectation is I'm going to go watch a YouTube video or go to an online event for an hour or a day, I'd to be totally frank, I'd rather binge watch YouTube for a day than go to some of these online events. And the, I, my goal was to change that perception that they could be just as interesting and as fun. So do you do like the segments you talked about going around your house? I'm sure there are bits that are the same every time, but are those bits sort of impromptu? So the, the way I, I built it, just like a format for a TV show. So like there's like live segments that are all the customized pieces, mm-hmm. but the core principles are part of the adventure. So, and then I have multiple versions of them. For example, if I'm working with a B2C company, I have B2C versions of the, the pre-recorded segments. And then if it's a B2B company or a nonprofit, I have segments for them. So I, I basically take what's probably 300 minutes of content that I can use and I slot in all the pieces to make a format work for the audience. So, so, so are you going to produce any events? You sounds like you should produce events. <laughs> John, you're, you're, a lot of people suggest I should produce an event. Here's the thing. I don't have the answer yet of what it should be. Right. And you're that was so part of my, of a lot of people. <laughs> oh, you're so kind. Well, I just think I've thought about it a lot. Look, I didn't do those videos in April of last year because I didn't have any answers and I hadn't been on an adventure to figure out what the answer should be. And I spent nine months trying to think about the problem and then share what I've learned with the world. And that's all I'm interested in doing. Would I love to do a, an event and think, rethink it from the ground up? Yeah, absolutely. If I wasn't so busy doing virtual sessions, I'd, I'd probably have done that already. Yeah, I, I, I hear you. The if your, I do do one, though, you want to be part of it? You bet I would. Of course. We'll do a good show. All right, cool. You're in. So, so I'm already rethinking my not use of slides. What, what's so great about this virtual technology, though, is if I needed like a confidence monitor, I could have it right here anyway. Yes, exactly. <laughs> know it. That's right. That's exactly right. I have a confidence <laughs> monitor. I have a teleprompter even when I'm doing my live events, which I would never use if I was at an in-person event. So it's, yeah. it's yeah, it's like the technology... I've been telling people to kind of embrace the constraints. And you, you were talking about Lucy and Desi. Just yeah. a quick last story. One of my idols is Ernie Kovacs. Have you ever seen his comedy? I have 19- not. 
<laughs> so Ernie Kovacs was a radio reporter. <laughs> uh, reporter is in air quotes, by the way, John. But yeah. he was he did stunt reporting in the radio days. So he would do things like, "What does it feel? What does it sound like to get run over by a train?" Which you can do as a comedy bit, and in the radio world, it can sound like he gets run over. Well, when he got when he got launched into television, he he went into TV studios, and they were just shooting what you would see on stage if you were doing a radio play. And he thought, guys, this is silly. Like we have a camera, let's do something with the camera. So he did this very famous bit. You can look it up on YouTube, but it's basically where he tilts the camera to an angle that matches the angle of a set. And it's called the funhouse gag. And he's, he's at lunch table and he takes out things to eat for lunch, but they keep sliding off the table. It's hilarious comedy, but it's the first time anyone had understood that you can use the camera's limited view right. to create an experience that other people won't ever see. And so when, when, when last March, when I said, okay, we got to do virtual events, I was like, who should I look for, for inspiration? It was Ernie Kovacs, like embrace the constraints and whatever constraints are being put on you, just look for the opportunity to leverage those to make something special. And I think you'll be much better off. It's a great, absolute great way to start coming in and look, because I think you're, you're absolutely right. You're, you've got to look at it differently. And so you, you, you almost need a new lens uh, to look you at. You do literally need a new lens. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So I'm going to go get an Oculus Quest and we will hook up. Yes. And, uh, we'll play ping pong, John. Sign me up. I think that'd be awesome. So Andrew, where, where can people find out more uh, about your, the videos we've been discussing or anything that you're working on? Yeah, sure. The best way to uh, sign up for the videos is loyaltyloopers.com. And I'll send you a video every Thursday about marketing or customer churn or increasing revenue or even virtual events. And you can find me on LinkedIn. Just look up Andrew Davis or Instagram. Those are the places I spend most of my time. Awesome, Drew. It's great catching up with you. Hopefully we'll uh, run into you one of these days when we all get back out there on the road again. Yeah, I can't wait to see you in Kansas City for some barbecue. Absolutely. Although I'm, I, I, I've been a vegetarian for about 12 years, so. Well, you you can you can have corn, John. onion rings, onion rings, that, that's, <laughs> oh, onion rings. Well, that's then, my yeah. barbecue joints. I will buy you all the onion rings you can you can <laughs> ever want. That's right. on me. All right, okay. all right. Thanks, Andrew. All right, so that wraps up another episode. I want to thank you so much for tuning in, and you know we love those reviews and comments, and just generally tell me what you think. Also, did you know that you could offer the duct tape marketing system, our system, to your clients and build a complete marketing, consulting, coaching business, or maybe level up an agency with some additional services? That's right. Check out the Duct Tape Marketing Consultant Network. You can find it at ducttapemarketing.com and just scroll down a little and find that Offer Our System to Your Clients tab. 